Colossians chapter 2, and, and like I said, this will be on the screen. This is a verse we've been looking at together for several weeks. And man, I have gotten excited about this verse of Scripture. It's done so much for me personally. And I pray it's doing the same thing for you. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. That's been the name of the series that we've been on together for the last several weeks, established in the faith. Now this word established, we're, we're, our attention's drawn to it because this is something the Lord said he wanted to do for us as a church family coming into this year that's now almost nine months over. He said, uh, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, that the God of all grace would perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. And these are the things we're believing the Lord to do in our lives. And we see this mentioned here in Colossians 2 again, that as you've received Christ Jesus, if you'll keep walking in him, or in other words, if you'll keep doing the, th the, the very thing that you got born again by, if you'll keep applying that to your life every single day, eventually you will become rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is one of our goals, one of our, our personal goals for you and, uh, as the family of this church. We want to see you coming into this place week after week after week and hearing a word and receiving the word and becoming doers of the word so much to the point where you become established in your faith. And one of the things we're seeing throughout scripture is that as good and as wonderful and as glorious as it is to receive Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, I mean, it's eternity altering, life changing to say the least. That salvation day, as wonderful as it is, if you don't keep walking in that, you will not be rooted. You will not be built up. And you will not be established in the faith. These things don't happen on day one. They happen as you continue to walk in him. Now, why are we interested in being rooted? Because the deeper your roots go, the harder you are to uproot. The harder you are when the storm begins to blow and it will blow. But Jesus said, when you're founded on that rock, the rock of not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of it. When your life is built on that foundation, let the rain fall, let the wind blow, let the floods rise. And when it's all over, that house will still be standing there. Praise God. This is why we need to be interested in being rooted. Why do we care about being built up? Huh? Because the, the greater you're built up, the stronger you are, the harder you are to knock over. You can come up here and give me a good shove and yeah, it might do something. I go flying across this platform and, and fall on my back. But you get some guy up here who's about, I don't know, six foot, 18 inches tall and, you know, 350 pounds and just muscle upon muscle. Give him the same shove you gave me. Probably not going to have the same effect. What's the difference? Built up. Anybody else interested in getting built up to the point where you become very hard to knock over? Why, why care so much about being established in the faith, being established in your faith? Because your faith, the Bible says, is more precious than gold. And if you're wondering 
Number one, if you have an enemy, you do. His name is the devil. He's real. He exists. And what he's after is your faith. He knows how precious your faith is. He knows your faith is your connection to God. He knows your faith is how you fellowship with God Almighty. He knows your faith is how you believe God, how you receive from God. And if he can rob you of it, then he can rob you of all of that. Your fellowship, your relationship, he can rob you of receiving from God. So is there anybody else interested in being not just saved by faith, but established in the faith? But the more established you become, the harder you are to rob, the harder you are to deceive, the harder you are to fool. So rooted, built up, and established in the faith. This is what we've been focused on for the last several weeks. We've talked about being established on the course that God has called and created us to live our lives on. And going back all the way to the beginning of the series, we saw from the word of God that really there's only two roads anybody can walk in this life. I know it looks like you got a bunch of different choices. I know it looks like there's about 101 different paths that you could take. But when it really gets down to it, and if you're looking at the scriptures, you're going to find there's really only two. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. But right on the other hand, the psalmist said it like this. You show me, talking to the Lord, the path of life. So what are the two roads that you can be found on? Life and death. There is a road that leads to death and destruction. There is a road, a path that leads to life. Jesus himself said it. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he said, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. He said, many are they that find it. Why is that road so wide? It has to be. For as many people that walk that road, I mean, you are talking about the vast majority of the population of the planet is on that road. It's got to be a nice wide road, he said, but it leads to destruction. On the other hand, he talked about a different road and a different gate. He said, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few are those who find it. He gave you one other word to describe that road, and he said it's difficult. He said it's hard. And I think a lot of people have misunderstood what Jesus said by that, too. They took it to mean, well, you know, this Christian life, it's a hard life. It's a hard life full of sacrifice. It's a hard life full of hard things. But if you study some of these words, you're going to find out that's not what Jesus was talking about. When he used that word hard, it's the same word throughout the New Testament used in connection to persecution, to pressure, tribulation, and affliction. He was not referring to anything that he redeemed you from on the cross. He's not talking about the Christian life being hard because there's sickness on it or because there's lack on it or because there's depression on it or because there's no joy or peace on it. That's not, that's not the hard he was talking about. The hard thing that he was referring to is the constant pressure you face on this road to get off this road. Are you hearing me this morning? There is pressure from your enemy and there is pressure from an unbelieving world. You're on this narrow road that leads to life and your enemy wants you on the wide road that leads to death. And so there's pressure on this road. And how 
We need to be quick to realize that so much of life and decisions we make in life oftentimes come down to the difference between what is right and what is easy. The difference between what is right and what is easy. Have you ever heard of the path of least resistance? There are people right now looking for that road. That's the road they want to be on, the path of least resistance. But this road that you and I are called to walk, you need to be made aware. There's some resistance on it. And the resistance we face is a constant resistance from our enemy, a resistance from the unbelieving world. But what do we do when he pushes? You know, you know what we do? Push back. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Man, I like that one, don't you? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's not okay with you and I being established on a course in this life that leads to life. A, a, a course in this life. I, I like what the psalmist said. He said of God, he said, your paths drip with abundance. Woo! Come on, somebody. Your paths drip with abundance. Your enemy's not okay with that. So you resist. I want to look at another scripture this morning. And this is from the book of 1 Thessalonians. Anybody been reading in the book of 1 Thessalonians this week? You're going, why would I do that? Because as a church family, we read a chapter from the New Testament every single day, Monday through Friday. And right now we are in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So if you haven't been doing that, I want you to pick back up with us. We've got uh, bookmarks and cards somewhere. We can get those to you. Uh, it's also online, legacychurch.family. Our Bible reading schedule's online. And we've been in the book of 1 Thessalonians this week. And I read this um, in chapter 3 just a couple of days ago. And... Listen to how much this has to do with what we've been talking about. In 1 Thessalonians 3, first, uh, verse 1, this will be on the screen for you. Are you listening with your heart right now? Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you. We sent him to establish you, and notice this next word, and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Without taking the whole time to read what's before and after this, as we've been going through this chapter this week, or this book this week, and on into next week, something's been hitting me about it in a, in a fresh way, in, in a way I hadn't seen. And the thing I've loved so much is, as I read, I can just pick up on the genuine love that Paul had for these people. And if you back up into chapter 2, he wrote to them, and he's talking about how thankful he was for them. Specifically, he said, when we came to you and we preached to you, he said, you received it. They did what? Received, received it. As you have received Christ Jesus, 
So walk in him. He said, we came to you and you received it, he said, but you didn't receive it as the words of mere men. You received it as the word of God that works in those who believe. And this is one of the things that Paul was so grateful for about this group of people. He said, man, we preached to you and we brought the gospel message to you. We, talked, we told you who Jesus was and who he is and, and what he's done and what he's accomplished. But instead of sitting there going, all oh, this religious stuff, all this stuff these people just make up, oh, everybody's got a different idea. Instead of hearing it as the word of men, they heard it and they received it as the word of God. He said, which it is in truth. He's talking about when they made Jesus the Lord of their lives. But one of the things as you look throughout the scriptures, the book of Acts and then the writings of Paul to the churches, one of the things you see that he loved to do was go to a place, preach there, start something there, leave, then come back. He, he liked to come back and, and do what? He liked to get them rooted. He liked to build them up. He liked to see them established. And as you read this book, you can see this is exactly what's going on. And even in this second chapter, Paul wrote to them and said, we have tried to get back to you. He said, we have wanted to come see you, but Satan hindered us. Do you hear what we're connecting the dots here? On this road, we've got some resistance. He said, there's literally been satanic resistance that's kept me from getting back to you. But you get down here to chapter three, verse one, uh, uh, you hear it in the tone of his voice where he says, we couldn't take it anymore. Isn't that what he said? Therefore, we could no longer endure it. We thought it'd be good to left alone, be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to do what? To establish you. In other words, these are people that have received Jesus. They received the word. Now what needs to happen? Now they got to be rooted. Now they've got to be built up. Now they need to be established. And this is what Paul was trying so hard to get back into their presence to do. But he's got all this resistance to it. He's looking for a way and there's no way there. There's no way there. And finally said, I'm done with this. Timothy, go, man. I'm sending you to establish them. But did you notice what was connected to them being established? Put that back up there on the screen for us. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse one. Look at what's connected to them being established. Do we have that again, guys? We could no longer endure it. We thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Keep going. We sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Keep going. To establish and, and, encourage, to establish and encourage you concerning your faith. He goes on to say, so that none of you would be shaken by these afflictions. What afflictions? It's what Paul was going through. He said, I don't want you to be shaken by what I'm dealing with. And we have a tendency to let that happen sometimes to look to the men and women of God that he's put in our lives and all of a sudden we see them going through something and it has a tendency to discourage our faith. We think, well, gosh, 
you know, if, if they're going through that, if they got a bad diagnosis or they've got an affliction or they've got trouble, it, it tries to get in us and discourage us. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if your beloved preacher preached God's willingness and ability to heal every day of their lives and they get sick with something, that does not discredit the Word of God. Or, or in reference to what Paul's talking about, afflictions and persecution. Don't you get discouraged because some man or woman of God in your life is going through something difficult? Don't get shaken in that. And Paul said, I had to get back to you. I didn't want you to be shaken. I wanted you to be established and encouraged. Encouraged. There comes times in every one of our lives, we need encouragement. I said, we need encouragement. And you never come to the place in your life where you're like, okay, I've got too much encouragement. No more, I'm good. No, we need it. We need it. Um, thank you, Lord. There also comes time in our lives where there is no way forward except faith. There's no way out, whatever it is you're in, except faith in God. And if you've never experienced that before, let me tell you, it's coming. And we all step up to those crossroads. Either I'm giving up or I'm pressing forward in faith. And those are those critical times in our lives where we've got to have some encouragement. Some encouragement. And the word itself, encourage, it literally means to put courage in, to have courage on the inside, to encourage someone. You know this without me telling you. It means to give support or advice to someone. But listen to this, to give them support so that they will do or continue to do something. This is what I want to talk about this morning. The courage to carry on because we're on a road and if we're on the road God's called us to be on there's abundance on this path there's life on this path there's life where we're headed but there's also resistance and there comes a time if you're going to stay established on this path then you're going to have to have some encouragement to keep going keep going keep going it's the courage to carry on when God spoke to Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one starts like this, God speaking to Joshua saying, Moses, my servant is dead. That's a way to wake up on a, on a Monday morning. This, this leader you've been following your whole life, who you've been serving, he's dead, he's gone. And God starts talking to this man about taking this nation across the Jordan into the promised land. And in just a few verses in Joshua chapter one, you know what God said to him? Be strong. Be strong and be, you remember what else? Courageous. Be strong, be of good courage for the Lord your God is with you. A few verses later, you know what he said? Be strong and be courageous. A few verses later, you know what he said? Have I not said to you, be strong and of good courage. Now, 
You think this just sounds like a pep talk, but man, you got to be careful. When God starts using this little word be, stuff happens. I'm thinking back early, like Genesis 1 early, when God looked into the emptiness, the darkness, and the void, and he said what? Light be. What happened? Light bead. There was light everywhere. Because God starts using this word be. You know what he's saying to Joshua? Courage be. Putting some courage on the inside of this man. Putting some strength on the inside of this man. Why? Because he needs some. He's up. He's next in line. He's the one that's got to take a million or two people across this Jordan River into this land full of giants. And he needs some encouragement. He needs some courage stirred up on the inside of him. He needs some courage put on the inside of him to take the road that God had called him to take. And that's why God's saying, courage be. Courage be. I'm looking at you this morning. You know what I'm saying? Courage, be, be encouraged, be strong, be strengthened. And it's not just today. This is what I want happening every day. Every time you dare to darken the doorway of this church, I want you coming in and then leaving with some fresh courage on the inside of you. Some encouragement that it, 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 it's like, it's like gas in the tank of your car to help you keep going. I mean, what do you need if you're on a road trip across the country and you start off with a full tank and you get, I don't know, four or five hours into the trip and you see that gauge drop down to E and you just start weeping and crying. Why? Because we're, we're not even halfway there. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. What do you need? You just need a little gas. You just need a little fuel in the tank. That's all you need. And when you put a little fuel in that tank, what can you do now? You can keep going. This is what courage is. It's what enables us to carry on. Keep going. Um, listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read a few verses to you here. And then I'm going to read this from the New American Bible. The revised edition reads like this, starting in verse 3. He says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion and God of all encouragement. He's the God of encouragement who encourages us in our every affliction so that we may be able to encourage those who are in any affliction with the encouragement with which we ourselves are encouraged by God. For as Christ's sufferings overflow to us, so through Christ does our encouragement also overflow. If we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and salvation. If we are encouraged, it is for your encouragement, which enables you to endure the same sufferings that we suffer. It's encouragement, he said, that enables you to endure. It's the encouragement that enables you to keep going. It's the courage to carry on. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. 
You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.